On Tuesday, we discuss, dissect and delve into crimes of the past. It's time for True Crime Tuesday with Toby Dow. Yes, this one here, Brian has been talking about it. I'll I'll be honest with you, and I'm not so familiar with the Mm. story, which makes me more intrigued when Toby Dow gets into these types of yarn. But this yarn, Toby's, we're welcoming you back for 2023, commenced on November 13, 2022. How are you, Tobes? Good, boys. Welcome back. Yeah. Thanks, Toby. Thank you very much. Uh, did you like your sting, right. Stinger? you got your own little well, intro I did, now. I, I, I did like it. Thank you very much. <laughs> All right. well, Thanks, Brooksy, for the, uh, the uh, psycho killer. <laughs> Tobes, just before we get into this, um, just before we get into this, it is Rumour Tuesday as well as True Crime. Someone texts <laughs> someone, someone text through about an ex-rooster who recently retired may be coming back. We've been throwing it out there. You are a Roosters fanatic. Um, who do you think it could be? Well, I'm glad it's not you. Um, <laughs> let me see. I don't know. Well, there's only no, – I, I, no, I don't reckon it's true. Who are they – yeah, you know, Sheck was a good rumor. That was a fantastic rumor, actually. Well, it's, he's not re- he's not retired. Um, I'm thinking Boyd, Jake no, no, Friend. Sorry. No, well, Boyd would have. He got medically retired, so I don't think they'd let him. Mm. Um, Friendy, I've seen Friendy around. He's looking pretty fit. Mm, well, there you um, go. That'll think, that'll do. Right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's just go with Friendy. Okay, yeah, okay. Let's lucky him here. Anyway, all right, Tobes, <laughs> yeah. uh, give us the background on these uh, horrific. Idaho College. Yeah, well, you would have been in America, Fletch, when this was unfolding. Yeah, it was massive. Yeah, it's huge. So this will be big, and I thought we'd start off with it because anyone listening to this today, this won't go to trial till probably mid-year, probably July, or something. It's going to trial, and everyone will be able to follow. And this will be, I think I said, yeah, this will be probably the biggest murder trial in America since OJ. Roughly, it'll be huge because it has such a big following over there at the moment. With everyone and uh, what's going on, this this will be absolutely huge. So what happened was Saturday, November twelfth, a, a group of college students from Idaho University. They all went out. There was so there was five girls that lived in a in a house in Idaho, uh, like a dorm type house, uh, three story, three level house. Uh, two lived on the bottom floor, two in the middle floor, two on the top floor. They all went out uh, in Moscow, Idaho, the middle of winter, freezing cold, snow, and the next morning. They woke up and four of them had been absolutely slaughtered. So when I talk slaughter, they reckon the police were calling it the single worst crime scene they've ever seen. So there was blood leaking out into the street, onto the pavement, onto the snow from the house uh, where it happened. But there were six people in the house and four of them got murdered. So they got home around one thirty. all of them. They'd been out. One of them brought her boyfriend back. So I don't think the killer probably adjusted the thing and the boyfriend was going to be there. And... One of the, he entered the house roughly just after four o'clock because one got a DoorDash delivery, like a Uber Eats. Sorry, Tobes, 4 a.m., 4 p.m.? 4 a.m., sorry, 4 a.m. in the morning, next morning. So this is uh, November the 13th now, Sunday, November the 13th. Um, And they could tell by the phones of the the girls that they were on their phones up to around 4, 4 4.17, one of them. And then they were murdered brutally. Um, and the boyfriend of one of the girls as well. So the two that lived in the, on the uh, the level where the, the killer walked in, there's two entrances, one on the bottom floor, and there was a balcony which led to like, the courtyard and that which was the middle floor uh, had sliding doors, and that's where they believe the killer entered. And he walked in. Uh, there was no no physical evidence of forced entry. There was no sexual assault. There was nothing. There was just four girls, uh, sorry, three girls and one boy just found brutally murdered. 
Um, nearly decapitated, I think the guy was. One of the girls had a lot of wounds, defensive wounds. And it went silent. But it was huge news because I think it became huge news over there because the police had nothing. They didn't have anything. So it was a very well-planned and well-calculated uh, murder. And these girls had only been out to one thirty, come home, and th- then this happened. But two of them that were still there had heard things in the house. And one of them had heard the girls upstairs say, I think there's someone here. And she opened a door. And she could hear muffling and saying, uh, the killer actually saying to her, I'm here for you, I'm here to help you. And then she closed the door again. Then she heard a lot of thudding and screaming and crying. And she opened the door once again. And this time she said she saw a man in a black mask, about five foot ten, skinny, bushy, dark eyebrows, walk past her and she was frozen in fear. Now, the next day, she, she didn't, for some reason, she didn't call the police. Now, this is going to be the massive topic of the whole trial. Mm. So the police went the, the police went cold on this, and there was nothing given. Six weeks went by, and there'd still been no information. They, the police, I don't know if they did it on purpose. I, I think they may have for the from the last four weeks. So it came out that the police were looking for a white Hyundai Elantra, which they'd obviously scoured all the security cameras around the area. Small town, small area where they live. Uh, they're obviously at the Idaho University. The killer, uh, or the presumed killer, uh, Brian Koberger, they, they announced they were, um, he went to Washington State University, which was only nine miles away from where the murders happened. And so what happened was on December 30th, I think it was, so this seven, eight weeks later, the police finally arrested Brian Koberger in Pennsylvania, which is on the other side of the country, two and a half thousand miles away, whatever. He'd driven back home to his parents' house with his dad. And they found him through DNA. They went through the father's, because he drove a white Hyundai Elantra, sorry, I should say. So they found a white Hyundai Elantra in the Washington State car park, university car park. So they started tracking him. And then through genealogical DNA, which I think is where they use someone else's DNA in the family and then work backwards to find you. Uh, That's how they... they, Yeah, well, Tobes, I was over in America when this happened. And what they they realised that they tracked the DNA to this bloke, the dad, wow. and they went... Yeah, it was his father. Yeah, yeah, they said it's not him because it's not 100% match. So they said it's either his daughter, his wife, uh, it's not his wife, his, his sister family. or his wow. son. had to be someone. So yeah. then they staked from, out... From the Elantra. From, yeah, they got the, got the car, but they... The no, no, they, no, they got the dude. From the weapon. Did they get it from the car, though? No, no, no. Not, there, right. there was a weapon. So no, they got it off the, no, they got it from... There was a... He left a sorry. He left. I should have said earlier. He left a knife sheath. Yes. That's so the, the one. knife was a huge, like Rambo style military grade knife. Mm. It's one of those massive big knives. And so you imagine the scene when the police turned up. They said there was blood all over the walls, all over the carpet, everywhere. Like so. But we'll get back to that in a minute because it's a very suspicious thing that went on back there. So they, he left the knife sheath. So the little clip where it goes over the top of the knife it clips in. That's where the DNA was left on yeah. that little metal clip that's where it was left on where they got the dna from so when they got that knife sheath that's when they went to the father's house and took dna from the father's garbage yes that's right and that's how they they then worked yeah because it was the father's dna they tracked that down so would the father have had to have had a um it was made public because okay so this is where it gets interesting tobe so the reason why they got the fathers is because it was on the he hadn't committed a crime but the dna was in the public system, and they think it came right. from one of those Ancestry.com. I'm not oh, saying it's Ancestry.com, wow. but one of those tests we do. Yes. So well, it's, it's called genealogic. Yeah, but they do. It's still genealogical DNA. Yeah, but so his DNA was – Yeah, but it was made so, – So in other words, it was voluntary. It was voluntary. He hadn't yeah. done a crime, no. but it was in the system yeah, somehow. Yeah, that's right. So okay. they matched it, and then they went, right, we know who it is. 
it must be a relative yeah. of this guy. That's amazing. And man. they got it through the bin. That's why it would have taken them. Six Isn't that weeks. amazing? Yeah. Like from a clip on a on the yeah. sheet. Yeah, they do it. Yeah. yeah. So they had to go through the. So they went through the garbage. But then, then it came out later. So everyone, all, you imagine America. Like there was no one. People were starting to blow up. Like the media and the family going. You know, we don't know. We don't know who it is. How can they have no leads? But I think the police sort of did know two weeks after that it may have been this guy because they they followed the Elantra. The only problem for them is that when they went to court with the affidavit, they said in the affidavit that it was a 2013 or 2018 model, I think, but it was actually a 2011 model. So, you know, obviously a good um, defence lawyer will, you know, jump on things like that. It's A lot of it is circumstantial based on telephone pings like the cell towers. Yeah. Now, he, he turned off his phone at 2.49 in the morning and didn't put it back on to 4.59 or 4.48, something like that, after the murders. So in that two-hour period... That's where his phone was off. But then they've got him tracked 12 times heading to and back around that area with, from August to the time the murders were committed. And they've got him going back to the area of the murder at nine o'clock in the morning after the murders. So does it sound like it is this Brian Koberger who he was a criminal, he'd study, he had a PhD in criminology from University State, uh, Washington State University. And he was really into like the crimes and mm. you know, murders. He'd written to the police about, you know, people when they commit murders and this and that. So... It does sound like it's him, but mate, I've seen well, I've seen this before with other high-profile cases where you know they put all their eggs in one basket and it's you know the person gets found not guilty. So I, you know, it does sound like it is him, but it's going to be interesting because we go back to the the night of the murders. This is what we we're talking about before, Brian. So, Topes, can I ask you this? Did he know? Did he know yeah. the, these victims? Did he go to the same college or well, no, no, different this college? Is, this different is whole, college, gotcha. Yeah. yeah, different colleges. Yeah, but see, this is. So I, I was, mate, I was researching last night a lot of it, but there's been a gag order put on by the court. So a lot of it's only up to a certain date now. You can find out what they sort of know. It's all been silenced, so you can't find out anymore. And the families have been told not allowed to talk about it. So I think the police, are, I think they're playing it smart. They don't want to lose this case because it was so high profile and it mm. will be so high profile when it goes to court. So you can't really find out much more than what you know. All they have come out lately is that they found out that the girl, Zayna, who had the boyfriend, she was the last one to die because she had a lot of defensive wounds. So they said she was trying to fight him off and she was trying to grab the knife and, and stop the thing. The problem that they're going to come up with now is that when I said there's something suspicious going on. So the police got a phone call at around 11 o'clock the next day or six hours after the murders. Now, these two girls are inside the house. They'd heard all this go on. Like, Earlier on, there'd been dogs barking. They'd heard the thudding. The girl saw the guy walk past her only feet away, and he didn't do anything about it. So he was obviously in a trance state or in a, you know, just in the zone. He didn't notice her or he just didn't have anything for her. And he walked past her, like, only feet away from her, and yeah. she described what he looked like. And But she didn't call the police. Nothing got said. And they, when they called the police, they actually called the police for an unconscious person in the house. Now, you couldn't imagine the scene when you walked out of your bedroom. They well, the might police have been described rattled, as one of the most well, yeah. scenes of it, all time. Is it maybe they were just, yeah, like shock. in shock? Well, okay so, okay, so here's the thing. They rang their friends before they rang the police, and their friends came over to the house, and the friend rang the police. So the families of the deceased are asking questions about the girl who survived as to why. Now, look, it's probably a bit hard to pick on her because you don't know how you would act in something like that. Yeah, that's right. Like, you couldn't imagine this. You couldn't imagine the scene. Well, for the police to come out and say it was the worst they've seen, and mm. apparently the two police officers walked in and haven't gone back to work yet still. So oh, yeah. they reckon it was horrendous. And you just wonder, 
what was going through their heads though to ring their friends but not to ring the police like six hours later they still hadn't called the police and the family members of the deceased have they're, they're really up the ante about this girl that why she didn't do anything why she didn't call the police straight away why did it take this long why didn't they even ring and say about you know there's been murders committed in our you know dormitory like there's four dead people laying around but they rang and said there was a an unconscious person which they think may have been the unconscious other roommate for seeing the scene and then yeah. she fainted or blacked out so that's but you can't find a lot out but that's the rumors that you know watching a lot of the fox and the news over there that may have happened but mate, this is going to be huge this when it when it goes to court because everything so far has been prosecution wise police wise there's been nothing defensive as to what they're going to attack with um he's, he's only using public defenders he's not like oj that can afford you know uh barry sheck and the dream team so it's going to be interesting what they come up with but so far i don't know what else the police have i'm sure they got something else up their sleeve but at the moment is basically circumstantial based on cell phone towers the wider lantra well the dna uh, the dna, that D, the DNA, that DNA well the dna on the sheaf yeah yeah but fletch when you think about it you could walk into a shop tomorrow and touch a hammer in bunnings or something and then mm. someone else buys it and kills his wife your dna's on there so there's you know there's going to be a good defense team will be able to nullify anything like that so it doesn't just because it's on the sheet you know that he could have touched it could have brushed it it's so there's a lot of you know there's a lot of different angles that that could come out to that so um because well, the it, thing it, is it, at the moment we don't know what which angle they're taking there was news over when i was over the state saying that he he was a recovering heroin addict really? this was one of the rumors yeah, he was. Yes. and he was in yeah. idaho because he'd been there to buy heroin right so he was well he, well, he went to university there though. yeah so he, so he was back at washington which is only not he's only nine miles away from where it actually well one of the stories was saying, universities next door to each other yeah one of the stories that was was going around over in, in the media was that that they were selling heroin out of that house and that's oh. why that's why he was there but it could have been a drug thing yeah you know, well, and 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 mate, with, without sort of um we're not to know but i mean when you go back to the state of the people of what's going on, you know, there's other factors that may or may not yeah, contribute. That was, You're that, not to that know. That sort of died down pretty quick. But wait, wait. they're now talking if he is found guilty, they want the death penalty. I know that parents would, as as you can imagine. Well, yeah, the parents they'll, they'll of, go after of the, the kids for sure. They'll yeah. definitely after the death penalty. So was the only like, reason they won't go after the death penalty is if they offer him a plea, and if they offer him the plea, it means that they're worried about losing the case. Yeah. So that's the only way that'll go. They they won't. They'll go after the death penalty straight because this will be so high profile. Where like it's wow. been the most high profile thing I can remember in America for a long time. And I think it was because mainly the police didn't do anything for so long. And I think people got frustrated. Oh, what's going on? This person must have been so good. And I think it's now coming down to the fact that he thinks he's smarter than the police. Like he tried to pull off a. I think he tried to pull off a murder. I don't think he uh, mm. thought the the boyfriend was going to be there and all the other roommates and how it happened. So. It's just going to be interesting how it plays out. But when he got arrested, the first thing he said to the police was, were anyone else arrested? He was actually shocked that he got arrested, they reckon. He, like, he couldn't believe he'd been arrested. Wow. So he was asking if anyone else was. So, you know, was there an accomplice? Did the other girls in the house have anything to do with it? There's going to be all these questions thrown up. And as much as it does look like it is him, as I've said, we've seen this before um, with some people and, you know, then all of a sudden it breaks out and it's not exactly what it was. And I think that's the gag order. So... They just don't stuff this one up. So, yeah. Well, okay, Tobes, mate, we appreciate that. And uh, and as Brian said, massive, massive case over there. Unfolding still, of course, and everything's alleged to this point. Yeah, but, we'll be um, during the year. Yeah, mate, it's, uh, we'll keep an eye on that. It's massive. But good to have you back, Tobes, and uh, we look forward to another year of True Crime Tuesday.
Cheers, boys. Good there he is, uh, Tobes. Toby. Toby, our fascinating case. He- it's, it's, heavy, heavy case. Everywhere over there. Like I can't believe because I, I text you while I was over in America, and you were saying you hadn't heard much of it. No. Didn't make much of the news here. Well, probably did. I just on holidays, I was sort of just. Just not really picking up the news, really, to be honest with you. But uh, now we're across that, gee, that's a big story. Uh, We'll keep an eye on that throughout the year as well.